Having a team that's been invested in, where you've taken the time to show them every ingredient of every meal. I just don't think we should ever put our teams in the position where they don't know the answer. If you haven't got that decision-making frame in terms of values, as the manager steps away and somebody else is there in, in that position, what are they basing their decisions on? Is it how they feel that morning? So it's a much more effective process when you engage with your people. It's almost compounding by nature. You get somebody being disengaged, that one person very quickly becomes two. Those two people then become four, and then they become eight. It's, it's almost a sort of tough, uncomfortable conversation. But you need to address the concerns for what they are. So you need to give people the freedom to get things wrong. What does it take to, to lead a successful restaurant business? I think that every restaurant needs. So Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the Hospitality Leadership Podcast. How are you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's been, I know we've interacted on LinkedIn for a long time and it's been great to eventually make it happen and, and get to sit down, albeit remotely, and have a chat. Yeah, it's it's great. I see a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn, but um, yeah, very very rarely do you actually get to speak to the people, so it's nice. Yeah, and and for us, it's very much with we're we're both producing content as well, which is aimed at helping the entire hospitality industry, and and I think it's support that the industry needed or has needed for a very long time. I think social media and and certainly LinkedIn is starting to to fuel that for a lot of people now. I think so, yeah. I think it's it's been needed for probably decades. Um, I think COVID has sped up the process for most people realizing just how tough it is um, yeah. and how much the industry does need some support. Um, so yeah, it's great that there's so many people now that are just trying to use their experience and their knowledge to just help the next generation or to the people that are just still going through it now. Yeah. So to get started, let's dive into your story and let's you know, just tell us a little bit about your background, where you've come from, where you come through, up through to today. Okay. Um, my route was probably, I'd say slightly unconventional, but actually pretty much the same. Yes. I do apologize. My little one's coming to me. Hey, that's what we like. <laughs> you can't. Family comes there's, first. Ah, uh, there's, there's five of them. It's nonstop. <laughs> um, yes, my route into hospitality is one that I pretty much just fell into um, through not knowing what else to do. Hello, mate. There you go. Um, <laughs> sorry about this. Um, and yeah, I kind of started in a cafe um, doing a bit of part-time work to realize that I really enjoyed coffee. Um, so stuck that one out to learn as much as I could. Um, and yeah, I gradually just kind of went from, from there to a music venue um, and then to some clubs, some pubs, some bars, some restaurants, some more cafes. Um, and just sort of dotted around for best part of probably 10, 15 years, ended up up north in England. Um, and then children came along and started to realize that actually I need to take it a bit more seriously. Um, and not sort of, you know, without being disrespectful, be a barista for the rest of my life. Um, because I found it easy. It was actually, let's, let's try and make a career and, and take it seriously. So the last seven or eight years for me have been more about, more about that, um, Set myself the five-year goal to sort of become a, a GM or equivalent by the age of 30. Um, and did that during COVID, weirdly. I didn't you know I had to actually go to work to to get that promotion. That was fun. Um, <laughs> which I think is now a big problem for a lot of people. Um, and then, yeah, come sort of had the year off for, for furlough, like a lot of us did. Um, really enjoyed the family time. Um, 
and just realized that actually, as much as I do love this industry, family is for me the most important thing. Um, and then we need to strike a bit more of a balance and maybe shake up the way that things have been done previously. And throughout that journey, what would be, is the one moment that has really shaped your perspective, you know, the perspective you have today? Is there any one moment through your time in hospitality that you can really look back at and say, right, yeah, that was a big moment for me? There's been a few. Um, everywhere I've gone to, I sort of treated the, the time between sort of being about 25 and when I get to 40. Um, hopefully a few more years off yet, um, is for me, it's not so much about earning, it's about learning. So everything, everything I'm doing and every decision I'm making is with a view to where do I want to be and therefore what, what kind of step do I think is going to get me there rather than how much can I rinse this company for right now because I've got bills to pay. Um, so everywhere I've gone, it's been with, with a view to learning the big lessons. Um, there's been, oh, there's been so many. <laughs> So many good things and so many bad things. Um, early on, I found myself suspended a lot for things I'd say. Um, so learning the hard way of actually there is there is an etiquette, there is a sense of professionalism that you need. It took me way too long to learn that lesson. Um, way too long. And then, yeah, once I moved up north and realized that actually I'm on my own here, um, I moved away from the majority of, of family and friends and, and kind of just want to start again. Um, that was a bit of a wake-up call um as well for me but that was i guess that's not so much hospitality it's just in life in general <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i mean everywhere i go it's it's with a view to try and extract as much as i possibly can from each role um covid is the biggest one for me i guess because it's it was the realization that actually works not everything um and as much as i love what i do and enjoy it there's there's other things that are just as important if not more so yeah as much as hospitality is a calling it's a means to an end, and that is to enjoy what you do outside of, of, of work as well. And I know some people, it's very much their life, isn't it? But at the same time, there's people who still love hospitality equally as, as much like you. But we have, as, you've, as we've seen already, you've got kids. I've got kids, and I was exactly the same. You've always have, you have to strike that balance between what is providing a great experience for people, but also your responsibilities and the people who depend on you outside of there and, and who you enjoy spending your time with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm big on, I, I like a definition for a word. <laughs> I just think you get so much more clarity from actually knowing what people are talking about or knowing what it means to you. Here comes child number two. Um, <laughs> well, number three, this one. Um, but yeah, so I, I like, for example, the word priority for me, it's like you can only have one by definition, like it is the most important thing. So it's like deciding what is the priority. Um, and for me, I've got all my sort of main five things that go on in my life listed in order. And that, that's the kind of every decision I make goes through that filter of like, well, which one of these is it? So is it the most important? Is it not? It's kind of like having values in some ways that it's just almost like a guiding compass of this is the order that I decide things in and this is the order I'm going to do things in because it's the order that is most important to me. Um, and if that doesn't work for sort of certain companies or certain roles, then it's just not the right one for me. And how do you get to that point then? You know, you talk about identifying that moment where, you know, it's, it's more than just work. How do you turn that into a reality is, is my question. How do you get from that point that, you know, it's all encompassing 
to then starting to strike a balance? Um, I think with most things, it's, it's, it's not a binary for me. It's like on a continuum, um, so like a sliding scale. So at certain points in your life, it's, it's going to change. Like I'm going through a bit of a phase now where I'm trying to sort of build a brand and build a bit of a following and almost transition my way out of frontline operations. So I know that for the next year or so, I need to put more focus onto that, which means that I need to take focus away from another area. So whether that's kind of, you know, one of my goals this year was to start hitting the gym, but actually it's just not the priority this year. Um, so that's, that's kind of taken a backseat. Um, and it's just having, having a long-term goal of kind of what you're trying to work towards is key. Otherwise it's like, well, you, you don't know what path to take because I mean, you, you could go literally in any direction, but if you don't know where you're going, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, it's like driving from here to Paris and you sat now and goes, yeah, just go left and keep going. It's like, you could end up anywhere. Um, so there's that. And then I think just, you, you almost have to go too far in one direction and then bring it back again to know where the limit is and, and where, where to strike that balance. Um, so you could go either way. So for me, it's always work and family and it's, I've spent the year on my family when I was on furlough that in hindsight probably could have been better spent in terms of my career. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, our child number three was born two weeks before I went on furlough and it was probably the best year I've ever had. So it's, yes, I had to sacrifice some, some things, but actually in kind of the grand scheme and my longer sort of long-term goals, it was, it was well worth it. And so just talk us through now, where you are so what what work are you doing now what what does that look like right now uh the minute i am an assistant assistant restaurant no deputy general restaurant manager same thing i'm not particularly attached to the title um and again that was something i learned through covid i spent so long being like yeah i want to be a general manager and you get there and go oh it's no different to it was yesterday so it's it's just a title it doesn't matter um but yeah so i look after a couple of restaurants um as part of um sort of a, a bigger park um within yorkshire they have such strict um what are they called social media rules like i can't name it but um yeah in, in yorkshire looking after a couple of restaurants um with support from my gm as well um and between us we've just been basically been brought in a few months back to try and turn the places into functioning sort of profitable sustainable restaurants um with a bit of direction so that's generally five days a week spend most of my time there trying to get those those kind of back on track yeah and you know it's there's a lot of important work that goes into especially if you're trying to turn some around so let's start with the fundamentals then what does it take to to lead a successful restaurant business i know it's a broad broad strokes question <laughs> that but what would be some of the the fundamental building blocks if you will of creating that success I think that every restaurant needs an identity. Um, I've seen so many restaurants in the local area fail because they serve, for example, tapas food from a bar that looks like it should be in the Ritz whilst playing Ed Sheeran over the like um, sound system. Um, and then from the outside, they've got all these like paper flyers up with the offer of the week. And you just think, what are you? And, and no one knows. Um, so you go in there expecting one thing, you don't get it because it's such a combination and then you just think, oh, that wasn't very good value and never go back. So I think having a clear identity of this is what the restaurant is, this is what it feels like, this is what it sounds like, this is the temperature, this is the lighting, this is the the product, this is what we want our menu to feel like. Um, and having all of those things in place 
is fundamental. Um, having a team that's truly been invested in, um, where you've taken the time to show them every ingredient of every meal um, and every cocktail that you serve or teach them about where the beers come from or teach them what range of soft drinks you've got so that when you expect them to go out and upsell these things um, and to kind of talk about them, enthuse about them with your customers, it's done from a place of knowledge, not fear of, oh, crap, what if they ask me a follow-up question? Um, which I've, I've worked in those as well, and I've been in that position. And someone goes, uh, how many onion rings do you get? And you're like, uh, like, I don't know. But I just don't think we should ever put our teams in the position where they don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's something really obscure. But um, So I think investing in the team and just having, again, the way that I kind of line up my values, my identity, and, and my kind of vision for life, I, I think every restaurant needs the same thing. Um, because for me, values, you, you kind of, your long-term goal is your mission statement almost. It's what we want to achieve. Um, you, you probably add an, an element to why into that as well, but the values are how you're going to get there. Um, so if you have clear values, and you've got three or four, and they're easy to work with, every decision then gets filtered through those. Um, and if it doesn't align, it doesn't get done. Uh, and I just think having the team on board with those, having them involved in choosing those um, and actually playing a part in deciding this is how we're going to get there and getting everybody on the same page by giving them a bit of ownership over it, um, for me, is is probably biggest part even. Yeah. Yeah, no, and we, certainly with our client, is a lot of talk around the values. And I think, <clears throat> and you might find this as well, when we start talking about values and mission and vision to the people who are wor working in the restaurants or the coffee shops or the hotels, it almost doesn't, they can't connect to it. And I think that's a communication issue largely, but it's almost like they don't see the importance of having that clear, the core, like the core values of anyone, you know, anyone listening to this podcast will know it's one of the biggest things that I go over again and again, because it's so important for that direction. If we don't have that, how can, how can our people know what we're working towards as a team beyond just, you know, shift to shift, serving this set of customers or we're serving that set of customers. There's a bigger picture that, you know, management or leadership or ownership have in their head, but without being able to communicate that, you're never going to get anyone to come along with you, let alone pull in the directions you need them to pull. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at all of the big, the big kind of restaurants that have now made it into to, to chains, even if you take something like quick service, like McDonald's or, or a Subway or something like that, it's about consistency. And if you haven't got that sort of decision making frame in terms of values in place, as soon as the manager steps away and somebody else is there in, in that position making the, uh, making the decisions that day, it's like, well, what are they basing their decisions on? Is it how they feel that morning? Is it kind of what you've told them to and they're going to stick rigidly to it or like they need they need the freedom to make their own mind up rather than text you 30,000 times a day because you're on a day off and they just need you to make every decision for them um so yeah and I think as, as part of that it's also you have to be able to give people the space to screw it up almost um to make the decisions that you just wouldn't do but with your experience but they have a different experience through life so it's you're never going to reach the exact same conclusion. So you need to give people the freedom to get things wrong, to go, okay, did we win or did we learn? Um, and you go, okay, on this one we learned. Okay, what did we learn? Let's let's use that information to then make a better decision next time. Um, but I think if you have the negative reinforcement culture where someone makes a mistake and you go, okay, well, that's a first warning, um, 
people just stop making mistakes, which means that they stop then using their own brain, which means they rely on you, which means you never get a minute off. Um, and it just doesn't work. I learned that again the hard way. Uh, but it's a, it's certainly in, in hospitality, it's an easy position to get into because things are going so fast. And, you know, you almost get into a position where you don't ask anyone to do anything. Oh, I'll yeah. just do it myself because it's quicker. And it's similar to what you're describing there. It's just a, a spiral of of dependency is, is the best way to describe it, isn't it? You start creating dependency on you. And I know some people will be thinking, oh, well, that's great. I'm irreplaceable. But it does exactly what you're saying is it creates it creates this cycle where you never get away from the from the restaurant, which from a well-being point of view is is not great. Now on the point of developing those core values, how do you engage with the team on that? What do you what work do you do? Well, what work do you do to develop them and implement them in the in the first instance? Are they site specific or have you got a set of values across all the sites how how do you work that i think every place i've ever been in terms of every venue or every restaurant i've ever been they've all been slightly different um the best way i've found to get people on board is to get them to choose them so i would almost give them a steer in the direction of kind of, oh, what do you think about this one? Um, and maybe plant a few seeds for them to hopefully then go and, and grow. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. And sometimes they just come up with better ones than than what I would have done by just kind of otering that and, and taking control. Um, but if you, a couple of questions I would ask is, what has worked in places that you've worked before? Um, because a, a lot of people do come from other restaurants and other bars and other pubs and that kind of thing. Um, and everywhere does things slightly differently, but they might do something there that's worked really well um, and actually completely trumps something that I learned 10 years ago that maybe just isn't relevant anymore. Um, and for the people that have come on board um, and maybe not worked previously, and this is maybe their first job and they've come into an entry-level position, it's think of people that you admire and that you aspire to be like in your career. And it's like, what are they like? Are they really kind of candidly sincere do they just tell you the truth no matter what or are they honest or is it hard working or is it a bit deeper than that um and just kind of try and get them to identify sort of five to ten character traits of people that they really admire um and then we just bring them all into a room and we can almost hash it out and just think like what what are the three or four that we all agree on um that we think that these would be a really good way to kind of steer the ship forwards I I often recount a story of when I was in one of my corporate roles that we would just get given the values, you know, a, a team would develop new values for the business and then we were given them. And more often than not, you don't relate to them. You don't see that in the business. And from a cultural point of view, that's not great if you're yeah. not seeing your core values actually lived out in the business. But it just then instead of engaging people, it completely disengages them. They step back almost it loses its power. You know, the, this process of what is an extremely powerful tool. And I, I always hammer home that point. It's a very powerful process and tool to use your values, your mission and your vision that we need to have people invested in it. And exactly how you said, that's exactly how you get to that point. Everyone's had input. Everyone then knows 
what each thing means, each each value and the behaviors that that come from it. So it's it's a much more effective process when you engage with your people. Absolutely, yeah. And I, for me, I find as well, it's one of those things that it's it's almost compounding by nature. So like you said, if you get somebody and you end up with them being disengaged on your team, that one person very quickly becomes two when they go for their morning coffee. And that those two people then become four and then they become eight. And before you know it, your whole company is questioning everything that you're doing um, off of that simple thing. Whereas, again, if you have it in the other direction, it can compound in your favor. Um, so I think just having, even if it's you start with one or two people, um, and then as you bring new people in, make it part of the induction. Like, this is how we currently make our decisions. If you've got any thoughts or feelings, um, let us know. Like, it's, it's got to be an open dialogue. It can't just be like, this is it now. So the next 20 years, this is how we do things. Because um, the world moves on and, and we need to keep up, frankly, if we can be ahead, but certainly keep up. So how, you know, it's fundamental to, you know, creating that identity you spoke about earlier. How do you then, we've got our set of core values, we've got our mission, our vision, etc. How do you as a business then go about communicating that to people? Say, if it's someone new into the, you know, into the business when they're onboarding or whether even customers What's the communication process? Let's let's keep actually keep it tighter to your team first and foremost, because there's probably more control over that. How do you communicate what's expected and and communicate that identity? In terms of the identity, the best way, and I'll be honest, it's not something that I currently do in my restaurant now. Um, it's something I would like to implement. Um, but the best way I've ever seen is having like a core manual. Um, the last place that I worked at, whilst it wasn't a great fit for me, that was one of the things that they did really well was to set out, this is the company ethos. Um, you don't get signed off until you learn this. Um, and we will test you at random points and we just expect you to know it. Um, so like it's by, by this time tomorrow, we'll give you 24 hours after that point. It's just, you just need to be able to recite it. This is what we're about. Um, and then it was there, they had six values of that particular one. And they were the first page of this core manual where this is our ethos. These are the six values. This is what it actually means to us. This is how we implement it day by day. Um, and then on the back of that, I would recommend almost having like a Sunday evening. I call them brain dumps. Um, but where somebody senior kind of comes in and goes, this is what's on top of mind for me. This is what we're working on as a leadership team. Um, these are some occasions where we've seen our values implemented and, and kind of give almost team shout outs for yeah if if one of them is um i don't know expertise is maybe that's one of your core values it's like this is a situation this week where i've witnessed this happening um and get other people every head of department anyone at all can just email in and go i've witnessed this or i think this person should be nominated for upholding this particular value and give them weekly shout outs um it's one of those that it's it's quite tough to get the ball rolling um, particularly if you come in and there's already a team in place and you've taken over. Yeah. But once it is rolling, every single person who walks through that door gets the same process, the same system. Um, and as long as you can kind of get your change leaders on board, it's it's really effective um, in yeah. kind of keeping those top of mind for everybody and making sure that they're just adhered to and, and stuck to and, and people actually do use them. It's a great, great point. We're actually working with one of our clients at the minute, developing what we call a playbook, which is essentially that, that manual of, of what the business stands for. And, and that was, you know, I was talking about before about people who 
can often dismiss the importance of the values. That is a core part of of that playbook. And we actually had that conversation where it was almost like, well, yeah, we don't need to deal with that right now. And it's like, actually, this is why it's so important because it aligns everyone in the same direction. And yeah, how would you deal then with someone who, you know, you've got these, the, the values, the ethos, the behaviors that are expected, especially in the challenge of when you've got a, you're coming into or an existing team, how, what's the best way of going about trying to align someone who may be not easily, you know, easily relating to those, those values? Um, I find in, in my head with, with everybody, whenever I come into a new business, the, the aim is to coach everybody up. Um, but on the flip side, if, if they are so resistant to change, if they are so resistant and almost working against you, um, then the goal has got to become coach them out. Um, and I wouldn't ever kind of go in and be like, right, you're going out, you're going out, you're going out. The, the idea is to get everybody up to the same standard, to the same level, to the same way of thinking. But ultimately, if, if they're not working for you or, and with you, then you are working against them and it becomes impossible. Um, so the only way then would be to have a change of, of personnel and, but kind of start those conversations early, give them every opportunity and, and almost explain like, this is, these, these are the conclusions that we've come to. It was like, but this is the process of thinking. Is there something here that you don't agree with? Um, is there something that you would do different? Give them every opportunity to have some input because maybe they're right and maybe you're wrong. Like it's, it's been known. <laughs> every, every week I say something wrong and you go, oh, actually, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. Um, and it's always, it's always the sort of 16, 17, 18 year olds that come to me and like, why have you done that? You go, I don't know. <laughs> like, let's discuss it. What would you have done differently? Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's almost, you've, you've got to go into every conversation like that with absolutely no ego involved, um, which I think is, is something that people in our industry, we often, like I, I did before COVID, it was like, I want to be a general manager. And you get there and you're like, I'm a general manager. And like, but it's just a title. And for me, it was like, what are you without that title? That's the bit I'm now interested in. Like, who are you as a, if I take away all your money, if I take away your title, if I take away every asset you've got, like, are you still the same person? Yes or no. And if it's a no, it's like, well, why not? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked anyway. No, no, I, lo I Top, love that. Topic, I absolutely quote. love that one. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so for those, for those particular people, you'd be explaining the process of how you've reached those conclusions of, of how you've reached those decisions and getting their input. And if it's, if it's just fundamentally, they just don't agree because they don't want to, then, then fine. Then we start the process of, well, maybe this isn't role for you. This is the direction we're looking to take things in. Are you on board or are you not? And it's, it's almost a sort of tough, uncomfortable conversation, but you need to kind of give them the opportunity, address the concerns for what they are. Um, and if they are concerns, then yeah, just, just have that honest conversation of saying, well, where are your concerns coming from and, and what can we do to, to kind of sort them out and get you on board? But yeah, it's not, lead... every change isn't made for everybody. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And this sort of conversation now really leads me quite nicely into another area I want to explore and that's a positive culture. So what, how would you begin to create a you know, a more positive culture in an organization. I know having the right people in the business in the first place is, is a key part of it, but what, what fundamental steps going back to the fundamentals again, should people 
leaders in our industry be looking at getting in place if they wanted to change their culture? For me, it comes down to one almost fundamental belief that I have in that everything is trainable. Like, for example, a value is just a set of behaviors. So when somebody sees a stimulus, you get, this is how we behave. This is our value. Um, for example, if you take, uh, let's say you're on a night out with your mates and someone attractive comes over to you and goes, can I get you a drink? And you're like, one of my values is loyalty. Well, you don't know until you test it, but it's just a set of behaviors. So it means that, oh no, in this situation, I need to say, no, thank you. I'm good. Or no, thank you. I'm married. Or just no, you're right. <laughs> like, not, not for me, love. Thank you. Um, but it's, it's having, everything is just a set of behaviors. It's here's the stimulus. And this is the response that we want. Um, and something as, as small as when somebody walks into your restaurant, smile at them, say hello. Um, and for some people that comes across as like having a, a kind of a welcoming atmosphere. It might just be a case of when that person walks in, this is what we do. And it creates that feeling in them. But you just chunk it down to as simple as you can possibly make it. Um, so when if, if I want to train the team on... Um, oh, what's an example? It's probably, actually, it's probably the best example. When somebody walks into your restaurant, what do you do? And it's like, do you carry on with your task? In which case, I don't want you to do that. So if you do that, I'm not going to reward you for doing that. But if you smile and you go over and you say, hi, how can I help you? Um, instantly, you'd be like, that was the right thing to do. Therefore, I need to give you some positive reinforcement that actually that's the behavior I want to see. And if you do it enough times, it's almost like training a dog. Like you want a dog to sit, you get it to sit, you give it a biscuit. Um, and eventually you can say sit and you can take the biscuit away and it doesn't need it. It'll just, it will just do the behavior. Yeah. Um, and I just treat everything in that same really simple way. Um, but it's all about positive reinforcement for me because I think in the long term, it's so much more effective than negative. Um, I mean, if you take it to the, the natural extreme, if, if, you, if someone held a gun to my head and said, I want you to do this, negative reinforcement, like I'd do it. I'd change my behavior pretty quickly. But actually, it would be very short term. The next time I would figure out how to make them not do that to me, not yeah. this is the behavior they want, but this is how I can avoid that situation. Um, whereas positive, if they were like, I want you to do this and here's a cookie, like, oh, okay. And then next time I'd go in and be like, uh, any more of those cookies? <laughs> You'd be looking to almost elicit that behavior again. So it's, yeah. it's chunking it down as simple as you can possibly get it um, and just rewarding everything that you want to see um, and then calling out everything that you don't want to see but in a positive way. So if somebody does, um, I don't know, they give away a free drink and you just think like, okay, that's going to eat into our GP. That's going to eat into our cost. This is the reason why, because if you look over long-term, you do that five times a day for a year, this is the cost of it overall. Um, and then suggest like, however, I'm all up for you. If it's somebody's birthday, come to me. Um, and maybe we can, we can sort something out for them, but it's, it's kind of almost finding out the right intention for the wrong behavior sometimes. That was terribly um, explained. Yeah, no, no, but it, it it makes it makes perfect sense that positive reinforcement and appreciation when you you know when someone does things that you want to encourage, why wouldn't you find ways to incentivize them doing that again until it becomes a habit? And that's we're trying to form that habit that it, it's a natural part of what people then do. Now, an important part of having a good culture is that people within the team you know trust each other there's a sense of camaraderie what can we do as leaders to foster that and encourage that within within the teams that we're leading hmm that's an interesting one um 
I would say in the first instance, because you also want it to be aligned to the company values and ethos and, and directions that you want the company to go in. So the things, for example, like the value shout outs, um, getting everybody to nominate everybody. It's not like your manager will nominate you at this point because it's your turn. It's actually if it works the other way around or if it's you've seen one of your your colleagues, whether it's you've seen maybe your server has taken some stuff in and, and your KP's gone. No, it's all right. You're, you guys are really busy. I'll get these all scraped off. I'll get these all sorted out because teamwork's a big value for you. Then it's maybe that server would like to nominate the KP. Um, it's, there's no, there's almost no hier like hierarchy to that. It's just if you see these things, call them out, um, which again is it's just another, another way of saying positively enforce it. Um, so for me, that's, um, that's probably one of the biggest keys, just make everybody's of the same level when it comes to that kind of thing. It's yes, there's leaders, yes, there's managers in the business, but actually we're all people. We all treat people like people, or certainly the aim. Um, and we are all, we're all the same. We've all got lives outside of work. We need to respect that. It's, it's a lot of give and take for me. If somebody calls up and goes, I'm sick today, I go, okay. Like there's no, oh, well, what are your symptoms? Can I, can I actually decide whether you can work or not? Because there's people dread calling in and then they don't call in and then they come in sick or they don't show up. Um, and if they do come in sick, they make everybody else sick. And then next week you've got six people calling in instead of one. And you're just saying, okay, if you're sick, you're sick. It happens. Like we're, we're not robots. And, and if you really don't want people to get sick, then go and work with computers like because they won't. I mean, they get viruses, but they won't get yeah. sick. Um, not and when another it happens, human being anyway. No, but when it does happen, you, you still just have to deal with it. Um, so it's, it's being nice to your team saying, right, this person's called in sick today. I could really use a hand. Let's get that out in, in the WhatsApp group or in the team chat and say, is anyone available to cover this shift? Um, maybe throw in a perk for doing so. And it, which again, is just another way of saying reward the behavior when someone holds their hand up and goes, yeah, I'll come in. You go, brilliant. Here's a treat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just making it so simple that you're just constantly training people um, to kind of elicit those behaviors you want to see. Yeah. And again, you've, you've led me into my next question which is development, training and developing people. We can't have a sustainable business if our people aren't growing. So how can people be intentional about that in their restaurants or their hotels? What's, what sort of frameworks would you suggest or approaches should you, would you suggest that would help to improve how we grow our people? This is one I learned the hard way <laughs> over, over the course of probably a decade. Um, the the frame I come into any position from is how can I make myself redundant as quickly as possible? Um, and it's not through Perfect. fear of being made redundant because it's never happened to, to this day in, in this industry anyway. Um, but actually it's how can I free myself up so that actually I'm then pushing the guy above <laughs> me and being like, come on, like I've got none of this work on because my team are so well trained. What can you give me? And kind of almost giving everybody on their first aid of this is your job. It's to make yourself redundant as quickly as possible. Um, and then the best tool I found to go along with that is I grabbed a huge sheet of paper. Um, it turns out the US have different names, but we call it A3. Um, and it's write down every single job that is on your um, list of things to do that week, every task that you might do even over a period of a month. Um, and take on, for example, if you are the manager in a venue, maybe the finances are, are your kind of core responsibility. Um, maybe guest relations are, again, something that you need to always kind of be overseeing, even if not doing. 
um, and kind of pick three or four key things that you think that these are the ones that I want to focus on. These are the things that we need to move forward at the moment and delegate everything else. Um, grab a highlighter, um, have a little key, write everyone's names who's in the position kind of who directly reports into you, who you line manage um, and say like, get them all in the room, go, right, who wants what? Um, and, and shift out the jobs that way. Um, I found that really useful. There was, there was a job where I should have been working 35 hours a week, but actually I was doing closer to 70 or 80. And it wasn't a hard role. It, it just And it was just me poorly managing time. It was me not letting go and me trying to do absolutely everything. Uh, so it was like, right, who wants the weekly stock take? Like, this is yours. Like, here's all the support I'm going to give you. Any questions, you come to me. Next one, I'm going to walk you through step by step. The one after that, I'll kind of walk you through, but maybe I'll miss out a few steps and you'll fill in the blanks. Um, and gradually kind of releasing the reins a little bit. Um, and it might take three months to get there. It might take six months, but it's so worth doing because then you think, oh, I've got five jobs to do and actually they're only going to take me one day. So I've now got four days free where I can be Absolutely. having one-to-ones. I can be pushing the business forwards. I can be working on the things that actually matter um, and are going to push the business forward. Because if you're working 80 hours a week and the business is still in the same position that it was three years ago, like you're working on the wrong things. So give those yeah. to everybody else. Um, give them the support they need to learn how to do them properly. Um, and then once they've learned them, they can then pass them down to the next guy in, in kind of in the chain or in the queue and say that actually I've got a lot on now. So here's some bits for maybe you give your bar manager the stock, but maybe they go, okay, I need a bar supervisor, a head bartender. Maybe it's, this is kind of, I want you to start taking on elements of these jobs. Um, and then it just becomes one of these chains where everybody then, then progresses who wants to. Um, some people obviously don't. Some people go there for a place to hide or they go there to get themselves through uni and go, I'm just happy making the drinks. Um, and that's great. We need people like that in the industry. But at the same time, everyone who wants development is holding their hands up and, and actually being acknowledged and, and going, okay, what would you like to take on? Um, and then every sort of thing you go, I might need you to take this on, but here's, here's the reasons why. Are you up for it? And nine times out of ten, they'll just say yes. And in terms of managing success of that, is that probably, is that your key performance indicator in a way and in, in that your time is is well you've got more time yeah <laughs> I, I i think so in some ways having having the place run to the same standard or even above what it was if, if you're stressed in and you're doing crazy hours a week you're probably cutting corners somewhere to try and cut those hours down so giving them out to if you've got four managers and they all do 40 hours a week Instead of you doing 80 hours a week on those things, they're then doing 160. And actually, you've doubled the time available. So you would expect the work to be just as good to start with, if not gradually kind of working towards being better than what you were doing in the first place. Um, and then your job is to just kind of make sure that you are there supporting the team, make sure that the work they're doing is of, of, of the right standard. Maybe you've given it down and it's come back and you go, oh, that's not quite right. Let's spend a day together. Let's kind of go through and or whatever time's needed and figure out where the training gaps are, where, where are the little bits of knowledge that you're missing and, and fill those in. Um, and then, yeah, eventually you, you don't need to do that. So you can just focus on let's get more revenue or let's cut costs or let's do all the other things that we need to do. Yeah, you can focus then on on the value that you can bring. Whereas, you know, all too often we're all leaders get sucked into operational stuff, which is just day to day. And it's like, that is not where your value is. Your value is, you know, as you said, growing your revenues, 
growing your business, you know, other revenue streams, for example. And when we're stuck in the day to day, we're not growing the business in or even maintaining the business in some cases. But now let's talk about the hospitality folks that you've, you know, the newsletter you've created. What was the spark behind you starting this the, the LinkedIn newsletter? It's gone through many iterations already. Um, it was a year ago when I'd just started kind of, um, I was a few months into a new role and realized that I really didn't enjoy any minute of it. Um, and it was almost like, what else, what can I do that's going to almost consolidate the learning? Because I went into the position thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to learn from this. It's not an earning position. It's I need to learn and extract as much information as properly or as, as possible. But then how am I going to consolidate that learning? What can I do um, to kind of reinforce the learning? And it was almost, I just write about it. I just, just recall it, get it down in a blog and, and put it out to whoever wants to read it. Um, and I've always approached it with a mindset of like, oh, if this helps you, great. If it entertains you, great. If it doesn't either of those things, great. It's probably just not the one for you. There's another million out there you can read. Um, so I've never tried to be like, this is how you should do things. It's it's done from a place of oh this is what I did last week I hope you I hope you find it useful or I hope you enjoy it. Um, sometimes it's a rant about children. Sometimes it's a rant about in laws. Sometimes it's a rant about previous management. Sometimes it's a rant about stuff that I don't want to put a name to. Um, and sometimes it's just about like oh this is what I found really useful this week. Um, and it, it's almost an outlet in some ways I suppose thinking about it now. Um, but yeah, I mean the name hospitality folks was originally it was the intention was to kind of almost help parents find a better work-life balance. Um, and then I realized that there's only so much you can say about, about that to somebody and actually they just need to go and do it um, because it is different for everybody. You do need to figure it out for yourself. Um, so then it became focusing on how can we create environments in a restaurant where people are free to do that for themselves and create that really nice culture um, and to have it so that even if they are in a season of where they just need to work their asses off. It's like, well, how can we make that enjoyable? How can we make that nice? How can we make that so it's something they look forward to and they don't go, oh, I'm leaving the kids for this. It's like, oh, I've dropped the kids off in nursery, but this is my focus now and that's okay. Um, so it's, it's switched a little bit whilst I kind of tried to find out where, I, where I'd fit in, um, basically, because there's a lot of good stuff out there and I don't want to just write the same stuff as everybody else does and I don't want to talk about the exact same things as everyone else. Um, so yeah, there's, there's been a few iterations, but it's, it's just done with a view to an outlet for me to consolidate learning, um, and hopefully provide any sort of benefit to anybody else. Yeah. And how many, how many issues have you got of that now? Uh, I think we're on 42, I think it is right. in its various formats already. <laughs> um, I had a bit of a break for over, over December just because of the workload from, um, from the restaurants, basically, it was just yeah. tough to to make the time without kind of almost being a detriment to sleep or eating um, and that kind of thing. <laughs> so it was something had to give, and it wasn't going to be the food. So, um, but yeah, we're back on it now, um, and it's just yeah, the focus this year is to really try and grow that, trying to grow a bit of an audience and a bit of a brand, and just trying to help as many people as possible, just with the sort of limited knowledge that I do have. Well, but you say limited knowledge. I think that everyone, everyone in our industry has got value to bring to others. And it's, 
it's like any team if you've got you know and you mentioned it earlier actually about when you've got these young people coming in and they question why we do something a certain way or they've got that different perspective that isn't you know tainted by the oh we've always done it that way sure. you know and the same with you know like you producing your newsletter and anyone who contributes it always brings that different perspective and changes even gives you an idea of, of a way to or thinking differently about something so it's always there's always a lot of value in in what we do as creators you know whichever way you want to define yourself as that there's always that value that we can bring as individuals now we're coming towards the end and i always ask people about one book or or even podcast or whatever resource it is that's had a particularly strong impact on your career or your life it doesn't have to just be hospitality related what would you suggest people take a look at which has made a big impact for you there's there's two for me um one of them in terms of book um i'll be honest i don't read a huge amount anymore because i've i've always read um non-fiction stuff over the past few years i started doing it again whilst on furlough just for something to do something to keep my mind yeah. busy and, and keep growing um and then I realized a year later after I'd read sort of 30, 40 books that my life didn't look any different. I've, I've read all these like self-help and these um, sort of personal development books and these business books. And actually I got towards the end of it and been like, I've not implemented a word. Like the odd bit maybe, but probably a couple of chapters worth of stuff I'd actually implemented. Everything else was just just knowledge, um, which again, if you don't do anything with it, it's pointless. So um yeah, most most books I now just I just don't read them now. Um, mm -hmm. I'd rather just take like the ten minute YouTube version and go. Okay, these are the key takeaways. What can I do with this? Yeah. Um, but one that did have an impact was the leader who had who had no title, or the leader that had no title. Um, it's a Robin Sharma book. Um, he's huge in the leadership world. Um, nothing to do with hospitality whatsoever. But it was it was a way of looking. I read that at the point when my general manager title meant everything to me. Um, having worked so hard for it and at that point after reading that book it was when I realized that oh it's just a word on a piece of paper like it's it just it's nothing more um people come to you and yes you're in a position where you have to be leadership or you have to be a leader to your people but actually my my KP was as much a leader in the kitchen organizing everyone Absolutely. checking in on everybody um, always going like, who needs what? What can I do for you? And really taking some initiative in that sense. Um, and again, I was working with a, a bar back at the time who was just phenomenal. Um, always making sure like everyone was hydrated enough on the bar. Um, little things like that. You go, oh, you guys are probably more leaders than I am at that point in my life. And thinking, I've got, I've got this title. I've got double the money that you guys get, but I'm not earning it in a leadership mm -hmm. sense. And it, it just, it was literally just a word on paper. Um, so then that book kind of made me think right how can i actually help you guys how can i support you it's about the team not it's not about me like no one no one cares about me um and almost to bring it full circle to what you were saying earlier about moments in in career when i've had a bit of a an eye opening go ah it's a light bulb moment um off the back of reading that i started looking at the team differently and i realized that within the team there's about 450 years worth of experience um so when i'm making decisions at, at that point based on my 15 years I'm like, but these guys have got literally 30 times the experience I've got combined. I'm like, why are we not tapping into that? Some of them 50 years on their own, some of them just three years. But actually, when you combine it and, and look at it that way, it's like, that's, that's 30 times what I've got. Like, mm. 
I should be making one out of every 31 decisions, <laughs> like on, on my own almost by, by that metric. Um, so yeah, that was a bit of an eye opener off the back of that book. Um, and then for a podcast, um, there's an American couple called the Hormoses, um, Alex and Layla Hormozy, who are just phenomenal. Like everything they do is about bringing real business education to the masses, yeah. predominantly all of it's for free. Every ticket, every, every decision they've ever made in business is outlined step by step. This is how we do it. This is why we do it this way. Um, and they're just one of those power couples that will at some point own the world. <laughs> um but i just love listening to them i was listening to one last last night actually on the on the drive home and it's three and a half hours of these are the 21 lessons i've learned from alex Ormosi, and just his his frames on life his perspective his way of looking at things is so different to most people mm -hmm. but when he breaks it down and goes well this is how it makes sense to me you think yeah. oh, actually that that does completely make sense um i found that really really useful um for example it, there's one called the veteran frame, which is like, if this situation, maybe, maybe something bad happens, you get stuck in traffic on the way to work. I don't know. It's like, and you start getting annoyed about it. It's like, well, if, the, if this was the thousandth time that this had happened, like, how would I feel then? And you're like, well, it would just be the norm. And like, okay, so today it's just the norm. You're like, you don't need to be annoyed. You just, it, your feelings on it are irrelevant. It just is what it is. Um, so it's almost like suck it up and just focus on something else. Um, and just little, little fix like that I found really useful. Um, but they've all come from, from his podcasts. Yeah. I uh, know I would, I, I love their content. You know, they're, they're both, you, you know, together their content's great, but also individually they produce exceptional content as well, which is, you know, there's always lessons to be learned, which is, which is what makes it so great. I think, but yeah, but listen, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you, connect with you, and, and ultimately get involved with the hospitality folks as well? I am just on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, new to the game, I'm, I'm not on the social media in general. Um, I think I have a Facebook page, but I've not been on it for a few years. So if you come across <laughs> it, just disregard everything. Um, I do need to get that up to date. So. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, the newsletter is just accessible via there. It's just under hospitality folks. Um, and yeah, always keen to have a chat with, with whoever. Um, yeah, Brilliant. everyone's a potential lesson to be learned. Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your experience, your knowledge. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been great.